Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. I am Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine, and I'm joined as always by Frank Borelli, editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Good morning, Paul. Doing well. Hey, so today we'll be discussing specialized vehicles. This can include anything in the land, sea, or air that isn't your usual patrol vehicle. Um, We're talking watercraft, UTVs, APCs, motorcycles, and more. So Frank, we can start off by talking about how do you think um, that specialized vehicles have become more used um, by departments over the years, Um, not only larger departments, but medium and small size departments as well? You know, I I think that uh, budgets and um, cost for these different things has really played the major role with with a focus on, uh, I don't know, greater personal interactions, probably the best way to say it. The number of agencies now that have bicycle patrols that didn't used to, and, and now you have the electronic bikes, the electric with the motor on them, so they're, they're even easier to ride. Um, you know, I, I think that's played a big role in, in the fact that you have uh, greater options now and if you have a direct benefit of getting your officers more face-to-face time with the communities that are served, the, the development of electronic vehicles, um, especially the small ones, electric vehicles that you plug in and, and you give them your parking enforcement people, or uh, they get special assignments in apartment complexes or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and we've seen electric vehicles grow a great deal, but just those little ones, the specialized ones, um, I think, you know, because the, the price has become a little more viable for agencies to handle, maintenance uh, in most cases is lower. Uh, you know, the comfort level is only a, a minimum requirement, and it, they, they serve the need very well of getting whatever person from A to B to Z. I mean, they just they move all day, and they, the battery lasts long enough, and they're good to go. Um, and then when you really look at, uh, motorcycles, as the example, uh, it used to be Harley Davidson and Kawasaki were the only motorcycle patrol motorcycles out there. Then it was Harley for a long time, and now BMW uh, is really coming on strong in the patrol division for for motorcycles. Um, they're they're being adopted widely and getting a lot of praise. Um, you know, there's there's so many different kinds of boats out there. We probably can't touch them. There's so many different kinds of APCs. Uh, and earlier we were talking about, um, prior to our call, we were talking about military surplus vehicles and a lot of APCs uh, that, that went into mil- to law enforcement hands came out of surplus uh, from the military. And, you know, we, we had this super active war in the Middle East for 15 years anyway. And then as things wound down and, and vehicles were no longer needed, they get surplused out. But just because it's uh, no longer needed by one of our branches of military doesn't mean its service life is over. And uh, SWAT teams and riot control teams and special action teams, they all could have a need for that. And, and certainly those can be gotten at little to no cost through the DRMO program um, or, you know, surplused out from the military. Or, you know, the funny thing is a, a state might surplus out a vehicle and the municipality within that state needs it or wants it. So surplus is always a good thing, but uh, you know, there's just been so much evolution, Paul, with, um, we've expanded our mind. We, we've, we've, we've gone far beyond foot patrol, patrol vehicle, motorcycle, APC. I mean, there's just, there's so much more out there now to deal with. 
and, and they're we're, we're embracing that and i think that's a good thing yeah we talk a, a lot about technology on this podcast and how technology has changed things um Technology also can, you know, drive the price down and make things more readily available. And I, I think we've, you know, the, a lot of these vehicles, um, you know, larger size boats, the APCs, uh, even UTVs, they can still be pricey, but they're not as pricey as say they were in the 80s or the 90s when when some of these things were first, you know, being used more by uh, departments. How do you think the price technology has driven down the price for not only those larger agencies, but the the smaller smaller and mid-sized ones as well? Well, you know, and, and I think we need to specify we're talking about adjusted cost because exactly, uh, you know, in in the the late '80s, you might be able to get a just using patrol vehicle as an example. I know it's not a specialized vehicle, but you might be able to get one of them for fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars, and then you upfit it, and your total cost is twenty thousand dollars. Now you can't even get the base vehicle for twenty thousand dollars when you're done with everything in the vehicle and equipment and all that. You're probably pushing sixty, so we're talking adjusted dollars. But you know, I go back to the the variety of options out there now. Uh, when you look at UTVs, uh, UTVs have come a long way in the options that they offer. And it used to be, uh, if you even heard of a UTV, it was an ATV. Um, and you had to have an officer who was experienced in off-roading, whether that meant on beaches. And, and we have a lot of agencies out here who have beach patrols, and they use ATVs or UTVs. Um, some of them use motorcycles. Some of them use trikes. Uh, they they had to know, I got to air down my tires, or this is the kind of, of tread design that I need, and I need these lights, and I need this equipment rack. And you had to depend on the expertise of one person to up, upfit something for your agency. And now... You know, here we are these decades later, and you can get a UTV fully outfitted, uh, you know, for whatever the needs are that you specified, for whatever environment that it is that you specified. And because they're producing them in mass and agencies are buying, you, know, you don't just have one agency buying one, you have 200 agencies buying three each. Um, you know, the, the production cost goes down, which means the purchase cost goes down. And we've seen a lot of people realize uh, agencies can't. Um, get a loan to buy vehicles if they need them. They either have to sell bonds, you know, the municipality or the, or the county has to sell bonds, or they have to lease the vehicles. And leasing services itself and supporting vehicles has grown a, a long, long way. Uh, we saw several of them at Police and Security Expo where uh, what effectively happens is they buy the vehicle and they lease it to your agency for a, a fixed bit, period of time. And at the end of the lease period, you've bought the car. Or the, or the truck or the boat or whatever it is. And they, they did that for everything. Um, you know, going back specifically to the UTVs, I love the fact now that you can buy one for, for uh, off-road, say, woods, and you can get it with uh, EMS options. You can get it with rescue options. You have all the lighting options. You can get it with uh, overnight survival type options. And then you go the exact opposite way and do the same thing for a beach. It's really cool how they can customize them. and But because that that ability has developed the, the cost has come down and we're making greater use of them great and yeah i wanted to talk about a couple of the articles um in the magazine that we've ran and uh recently and you know even some from from last year um we had an article that ran in the may june issue from joe vince um about covering land sea and airport and it was you know a feature on the port of san diego harbor police department and how 
not only do they use watercraft, but they use you know regular patrol vehicles, some off-road vehicles, and they they do a lot of different stuff to patrol uh, that area, um, including you know including bicycles and and different things that they use. How how does the opportunity to work with departments that have a diverse set of uh, you know skills and things that they handle? How does that allow officers to kind of get a different experience than they would um, at you know a, a regular you know, department that would not regular but you know in a city setting or in a country setting something like this where it's harbor police you're kind of doing a lot of different things they even fight fires so it's a lot yeah. of different things they have to do what what kind of opportunities is that uh you know present officers well we got to remember that experience is a big thing right so the more different experiences you can have the, the greater variety of experiences you can have the more well-rounded you are and the greater value you are in your career as you move forward so when you look at some place like san diego harbor police you know boats bicycles um a, a, UTVs, ATVs, pat regular patrol vehicles, but rescue trucks, like you said, sometimes they have to fight fire, different types of boats. So if you go to work for an agency, say someplace in the Midwest, and all you ever drive is a patrol vehicle, and I don't care if it's a sedan, a pickup truck, or SUV, if that's all you ever drive, that that not only does that get mundane after a while, I mean, it's kind of boring, but then when you're looking to go someplace else, or you're ready to retire and you go someplace else, and you're talking about your your career experience. Um, if you've worked harbor, as well as patrol, as well as in the drone program, as well as bike patrol, when you go when you go looking at your career development and where you want to go, and even what you're doing when you're done with your career, when you've retired from law enforcement and you're moving on, if you have all these variety of environments that you've worked in and all these different vehicles, all of which come with their own protocols and policies, maintenance concerns, transportation concerns, uh, safety concerns in operation, all that stuff. I mean, we don't think about it, right? The, the average person goes, yeah, I go get on a boat. And it's an open bow, 21 foot Chris craft or whatever it is. And we go skiing, skiing or we go tubing or, you know, we take it out to this island and we beach it and we have lunch and then we ride back and they think they know everything about boating. And then you go talk to a Coast Guardsman who's been on a 32-foot patrol craft uh, in what you know we refer to as muddy water and in some shallow waters and rivers that might be tidal. Um, and, and you start talking about all the different experiences and concerns and policies and protocols and, and rescue stuff. That, that Coast Guardsman has a, a plethora of experience that somebody who's a recreational boater doesn't. And it's the same thing for every other vehicle. The bicycle cop knows more about riding a bike than the average bicyclist is ever going to learn. The motor cop that's been on that Harley for five, 10 years or on a Beamer for the last couple in their And I just recently learned this amazed me in their class. They learn to crash. You can't graduate from motor school if you don't lay down a bike. Um, you know, how many people on a motorcycle know how to crash? They like there's a safe way to do it or a safer way to do it. The, the experience that you can offer and the insight that you get when you work these unique environments is invaluable and articulable when you're moving up in your career or moving on in your career, either way. But the other side of that is it really serves the community in ways the community doesn't even think about unless they have those insights. You know, the retired Navy 
uh, boatsman, he he understands what those Coast Guard guys are doing and the, the Harbor Patrol guys from the police department are doing. But, uh, you know, mom with kids or dad with kids on the beach watching the boat go by, he's thinking, man, I'd really like to be on that boat. It must really be nice instead of here, whatever. Completely different perception and uninformed perception. And that's, that's what you get. You get this the, the understanding that's in-depth uh, of what these uh, operational procedures are, the protocols are, the policies are, the day-to-day challenges are, and it can be of great value if you can do more than just riding a patrol car for 20 years. Frank, I like how you mentioned um, having to patrol, you know, shallow, shallow uh, areas, you know, if it's a river or a creek or a stream. Yep. Um, last year, I spoke to the vice president of sales over at uh, Ripcraft, which um, manufactures a uh, rigid inflatable boats uh, but uh-huh. they also manufacture fully inflatable boats and these things can scale in size from a smaller or larger unit um but it allows officers to be able to take these things in even very shallow areas but also you know lift it up and transport it from place to place um uh, which you can't necessarily do with the the rigid inflatables and can't do with you know a a standard uh v-haul boat um it, it's interesting for, you know, departments that have areas where, you know, you have waterways, you have bodies of water that might not be, you know, it's not a huge lake or it's not the ocean or the Gulf um, that, that they have tools like this. Um, I've also, you know, written stories in the past about departments that use airboats um, yep. and, you know, not only airboats on shallow bodies of water and, and in swamp areas like in Florida, but also on frozen lakes like yep. up in um up in wisconsin and in uh minneapolis michigan, michigan. The Grill, everybody yep. around the green lakes yeah yeah um so yeah it, it's interesting how they're able to use these different tools in different ways and yeah like we said as there's becomes more and more options it really allows departments to have um you know a, a greater set of tools and, you know, I, I love when we talked about rib craft and the shallow water stuff to be able to move into something called portaging. And uh, if, if you look at the, that main photo that we have uh, online for our for our viewers, um, the article is titled, or for our listeners, the, the article is titled Boats on the Go. And uh, Paul wrote it came out October 22. Um, if you have an inflatable, it really is highly transportable. The, the heaviest two things you're going to deal with are the engine and the fuel. Um, you know, my, my local special operations team had three of these things. Um, and, and they use them. We obviously, we boarded the Chesapeake Bay. We have the Patuxent river here. Here's the, the big point I would make about the watercraft, Paul is any agency that says we don't have any water. It's never a concern. They really need to stop and look again. And and maybe you don't need a boat because all you have is pools. But if your agency hasn't done any kind of water survival training, they really ought to think about it. And I know that's that's a little bit off topic here. But if, if you get an officer who's in full gear, gun belt, body armor, all that stuff, and he falls in a pool, he or she, they better be able to get out of what's going to weight them down so they can get to the surface because there is no oxygen in the bottom of that pool. Um so water survival training should be a mandate for every officer everywhere. But as far as the boats go, 
they can be of great value in getting from A to B quickly or searching waterways. And all of us do search and rescue. And anytime you have a kid that's gone missing, a child that's gone missing, and they're just near water, you got to be searching the waterways. These things are great tools. But like you said, the shallow water, the muddy water, uh, the places where maneuverability is tight, um, great tools for that. So I wanted to transition over to uh, UTVs. And, you know, we're, we're talking about side-by-side uh, vehicles that can kind of fit into the tough uh, areas to get to. You're talking about in um, in the forests and, mm-hmm. you know, muddied areas and, uh, and even in, you know, mountainous areas that they can get it either with your uh, heavy-duty tires or they even have track tires that you can use when it comes to going through the snow and in different conditions um this was last year um i believe it was the same issue as that boats on the go that i i spoke to um the a member of the glenn county sheriff's uh search and rescue team up in northern california about um how they've used these in the medicino uh, national forest uh, to make rescues and um, Polaris makes some of these UTVs. There's other ones out there as well. Uh, but again, the, you know, it's just another tool that departments can use to be able to get out there and, um, and, you know, save lives and access areas that they can't access with even, you know, heavy duty, you know, off-road pickup trucks. They're just too big to get through some of these areas. But again, you officers need to be trained on these things so training's a huge deal you know for this department and other departments in that area that you can't just get an officer that hasn't rented in one of these before um to just jump in and start driving it you need you know they need training absolutely absolutely that's why i was talking about off-road earlier and and um and all the variety of special vehicles and the experience that you get with them so my wife and i used to be big into off-roading uh with the jeep community and we went um to a place called Roush Creek up in Pennsylvania. And they had, they had an instructor there and we actually took a class in operating the vehicles off road. Uh, and we reviewed, uh, how, how much you can lean on the canter, right? Uh, how deep is the water you can go through before you actually risk, um, damaging your engine and what you have to do to protect your exhaust. So you don't get water through the exhaust, uh, into your engine, how to use a winch. Um, you know, and, and, and the concerns and safeties of using a wench, uh, inflation and deflation of tires, uh, all this stuff, um, you know, the difference, but even if it's something this simple, the difference between two wheel drive, four wheel high and four wheel low, um, the difference in, in if you're towing or not, um, you know, all of this stuff, it requires training. And, and again, that's why I go back to if, if you are an officer who, Uh, you're ready to come out of patrol and you're not sure quite where you want to go, but your agency has options for bicycles, motorcycles, mounted. I mean, horseback's about the most specialized vehicle you can get, even though you feed them. Um, uh, You know, uh, I mentioned Harbor, but off-road stuff, uh, search and rescue teams, any of these things, if you can get into them, they all offer experience. And if you have one that particularly appeals to you, I mean, there's really nothing cooler than, the guy who loves the outdoors or girl loves the outdoors, loves going out in his truck or his Jeep or whatever. And he's off-roading and he likes going over the rocks and in the mud and through the woods. And then he goes to work and they pay him to do that. 
They pay him to go patrol parks. They pay him to go search and rescue. They pay him to go do what he enjoys doing anyway. That's when work stops being work. What was it Mark Twain said? When your vocation becomes a vacation, you never work a day in your life. If you can go to work, you love the water, you absolutely love going out boating, whatever. And I'm not talking about going out fishing because if you're working harbor patrol, you're not fishing. Um, but if you like being out on a boat, you love being on the water, oh my goodness, go apply for your harbor division. Get the training, get the operational experience, see where you go from there. Um, you know, if we don't even think about something as simple as you and I both have driver's licenses, but if you want to drive uh, chauffeur vehicles, you have to have a different class of license. If you want to drive um, a, a tow truck, you have to have a different class of license. If you want to drive a fire truck or an 18-wheeler, you have to have a different class of license. If you can get those licenses, I mean, how many agencies out here really stretch the idea of special how many agencies out here have fixed wing planes and helicopters? If they'll send you to school to get the pilot's license, take it. It's great for what you're going to do later in life. So I just quickly wanted to go over an article that you actually wrote about two years ago. It was July uh, 2021. But the reason I want to talk about it is it's a, it's a great example how, you know, different companies can come together to work on, you know, one product. And this was the uh, Linko, um, the Linko Bear Mars. It's a version of their Bearcat, but it actually include it um, includes a mobile adjustable ramp system by Patriot Three, and also has axles in suspension from uh, Meritor. Because the size of this thing, if you guys look at the photo on our website, it's massive, and I doubt many departments um, will be able. You know couldn't necessarily uh get a hold of one of these things but if you do it it looks like it's just a monster um i i know you you know talk talk to some of the people involved in this thing frank and if you can talk about it a little bit and how it, it really shows that you know a lot of different things can go into one specialized vehicle you know and that really is just it you you look at it's almost like a, a lego building block right um it, you have the basic lenco bearcat then you have the Patriot 3 ramp system, um, and it's mobile adjustable, and it's, it's really made so you don't have to have cops climbing ladders to get to second and third floor. It's great for rescue. It's great for dynamic entry. Um, but you're right. The agencies have to work together, and, and it's a very specialized thing. Uh, the Meritor um, axle systems that were in it, drives it they, that's required because this thing gets so heavy. I mean, the, the Bearcat by itself is not a lightweight vehicle, and then you start putting on a couple thousand pounds more of steel and it just keeps getting heavier. So you need to upgrade suspension. You need to upgrade drivetrains and do all that. The value of them, if you have them, and, and of course, we hope that agencies would share resources like this. I imagine a lot of high-density population areas uh, need these uh, places close to our big cities, what we call the NFL cities like D.C., New York, um, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., places like that. But, you know, places like, I don't know, Humboldt, Iowa, I'm not sure Bismarck, North Dakota would have a need for one of these because they, they have so few people and they just don't have the three, four, five story apartment complexes where they're trying to break in windows to do dynamic entries. Now, they some their fire departments might have something similar uh, or these vehicles specifically to use for rescue work and to get firemen in and out. And that would be an excellent uh, co-use of this. Uh, but it really is never as simple as just buy the vehicle. It's buy the vehicle. Uh, customize it to your specific needs and requirements, and then train, 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 train some more. You've got to get everybody on the team. If you've got one of these things, everybody needs to know how to drive it. 
Everybody needs to know how to use the, the tools on it. Everybody needs to know how to put the ramps up and down. Everybody needs to know how to traverse the ramps. All of it. It's it's a it's a very in-depth tool to use. And to wrap the, this thing up, Frank, um, I just want to talk about, you know, unique specialized vehicles, things that I, I know when we go to shows, we see all sorts of different things. And, and you know, a lot of the the press releases and product releases I get from companies, sometimes things just really stick out. And um, two of the ones I want to talk about is uh, Ring Power's uh, Rook, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, Caterpillar that's kind of retrofitted uh change to something that you can use for uh SWAT situations and yep. you can you know gain entry to the buildings and and uh at the same time protect the officers that are on that unit and that thing is very cool um being able to see in person it's it, it's huge but you can see um you know everything that goes into it there's a lot of thought put into the different uh different attachments and the different things that components that it has on it um the right other thing i wanted to talk about is uh it's called the light horse it's a stand-up electric atv I, I did a story on this um that was back in 2021 as well it, it, in the in the springtime and i don't think it's gained a lot of traction but it's just it's weird to look at if you've seen this thing frank it's um it's a stand-up uh, vehicle with heavy-duty tires, uh, two on the front that are kind of wider set and two on the back that are more um, closer together. And But but it's made so you actually stand up on it, and it has shock absorber, uh, absorption. Yeah. Um, it's it's like it, a Segway on steroids. Exactly. And, and it allows you to go over steps. It allows you to go through um, you know rougher terrain and it's an interesting idea. And I think that's the thing. A, a lot of these new products that come out, um, you know, they, they may take a while to get a hold. Um, yeah. The Segway was definitely one of those where, you know, you did see some officers on them for a while there. Um, but, but the idea of them, um, you know, it definitely gets people talking and uh, the, the innovation is pretty cool. Is, is there anything that has kind of stood out to you within the last couple of years that you've seen? And it just, you know, cause you to take a second look at it. You know, I, I, I hate to say this. I've never really been that special vehicles yeah. guy. I've, I've, <laughs> when I was working SWAT, what we had was what we needed. My first, my, actually my first patrol vehicle was a pickup truck. Um, and that was radically different from what I thought I'd have or was used to. Um, this light horse, it's L Y T E horse yeah. for the people who want to look it up. It, it's a really unique concept. Um, I'd, I'd like a greater chance to talk to the company to find out, why they did the stand-up and, and not what's the benefit to this versus if you put two seats in this and had and had the ability to put two officers on the same chassis and everything i'd, I'd like to know um you know with the rook it, it's it every time i look at it i see a bobcat with a battering ram on it is mm-hmm. what i see it's, it's it's a heavy duty piece of equipment and um you know people forget uh when when officers have to do high risk stuff we, we don't like to be bullet sponges while we do it. So you need something that the steel, the structure will take the rounds if they come in. Uh, you know, the glass has to be thick enough and, and resilient enough. And I hate to call anything bulletproof because if it's a big enough bullet, it'll go through. But, uh, you know, it's ballistically resistant to protect the officers inside. And, uh, you know, sometimes drug dealers just fortify their houses to the point where you need a bulldozer to get in the door. And uh, if that's the case, then 
that that rook is awesome and it has the ability to make deliveries and rescues and all kinds of stuff but the specialty vehicles have really grown so much paul uh it's hard to keep up with and I'm, i hopefully we do a good job if if our readership if we've missed something i hope they they let us know yeah so frank if if anybody um has any questions for us if we did, do miss anything if you have any suggestions you know, feel free to drop us a line at editors at officer.com that's editors at officer.com and uh thank you for joining us for this episode and feel free to you know check back uh for future episodes on um on the website and on our uh, podbean page yeah and on podbean look back at our past episodes too we've, we've been doing these now for over a year uh, at least one every other week so there's we've got a lot of podcasts to listen to full of a lot of valuable information and i look forward to our our readership and our listenership uh giving us some other ideas we can talk about so hey thanks for your time today paul hey thanks thank you for uh your time as well frank and thanks for everybody for joining us and uh stay safe and take care thank you for listening to this episode of officer roll call be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode stay safe